Thank you for taking the time to listen to the sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this, you are challenged by the Word of God, you are built up in love, and that you are drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you, this is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be present in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. Good morning, evening, night. Um, one of the interesting things about recordings is you could be watching this at any time throughout the day. Um, please turn with me to Psalms 27. I'm going to read from verse 1 to 6. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversary and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamps against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the covering of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to gather as your people and to lift our voices and praise you. You are worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our worship, God. Uh, despite what we are facing, despite what we're experiencing right now, you are always worthy of our worship. And Father, I pray that you would, um, that you would allow us to hear your word clearly today. Lord, I pray that you would work by your spirit, in your power to uh, transform us by your word, God. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that uh, you, you accomplish what you desire through your word. And so, Lord, I'm a conduit uh, for you to use, and I pray that it would be so. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Right now, we're in a time where we are experiencing trouble uh, globally together. And for some, that looks a lot like or feels a lot like um, getting a paper cut. Um, it stings when you put that dreadful sanitizer on your hands, but it's not so bad. And for others, it's 
It feels more like breaking your leg. It's extremely painful. It's gonna take a while to heal. You got a cast that is, is clunky and it's, it's annoying and you've been ready for this to be over since about April. Uh, wherever you find yourself in this time, I believe that these verses uh, that uh, David, that God has given us through David, uh, they help us to, uh, to go through our trouble in a way that brings glory to God and allows us to continue to worship him through our trouble. And so I want us to, 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 to all lean in. Uh, one of the beauties of passages like this, wherever you find yourself in, you can either take this as a, a, a word that is helping you in this moment to deal with the hard time, or you can take it in preparation for when times get harder, so you're already ready to deal. And so the, the big idea that I want to put before you today is this, that, or the big takeaway, I should say, is that we can worship God through our troubles when the one we treasure is the God we trust. I'll say it again. We can worship God through our troubles when the one we treasure is the God we trust. And so David begins the psalm with a very familiar verse. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? This picture of God as light and salvation is one that we see again and again throughout the Bible. We see it in a few verses. They're going to come up just now. We see it in uh, the Exodus um, when God goes as the pillar of fire um, and he guides the children of Israel during night when all other light fails, God's light remains for them. We also see in John 8, Jesus calls himself the light of the world, and he gives light uh, to, to all those who will follow him. And then we also see in Revelations uh, 22, God is the light that replaces the sun in the new heaven and earth forever. And so we see again and again in scripture, God is revealed as, uh, as the way and the truth. He is the one who reveals the way and the truth to us. But David doesn't stop at God as the one who reveals the way. He acknowledged that God is the way. God is salvation. He is light. And we're in a season right now, the Christmas season, where we get the privilege of being reminded um, of God as light and salvation, as the way, particularly through remembering the, the picture of our Savior as a child. And so there is a, a passage um, we have in Luke 2, 29, 32 by uh, Simon, who's called a righteous and devout man. When he meets Jesus for the first time, he says, uh, uh, sorry, this is a different passage, Luke, sorry, Luke 2.29. 
see if I can turn to it real quick. Luke 2.29, Simon says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So we have Jesus as light and salvation presented in that passage. And this is why why David can say the Lord is my light and my salvation. He is our light and our salvation. And we we can say like David, we can say um, one thing that, that we should be able to find confidence in is that the Lord is our salvation. The Lord is our salvation. And David, he, he, he establishes this so that he can begin to boast. This passage, if it feels to you like David is boasting in the Lord, you are reading it right. It is that. And you see this. He, he goes on. He says, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. And this picture of, of God as a stronghold is, is a picture of him as a safe place or maybe more familiar uh, to us, is a safe house. We've probably all seen the, the movies, um, particularly with Denzel called Safe House. And we see the, the, the picture of a safe house. It's not simply a place that you run to to escape trouble, but a safe house has to have a few things in order for it to be worthwhile. You got to be able to see what your enemy is doing outside. It ain't no good if you, if you run and you hide and you don't know if they're breaking the walls down. You don't know if they're, if they're plotting to, to blow the place up, right? So you want to be able to see what's going on outside. And, and another thing is a safe house ought to provide a certain way of escape from the threat. And so here David actually calls God the stronghold of his life, the, the safe house. God is the safe house that gives David the ability to see what is going on outside. He is the light that allows David to know what his enemies are planning. And David goes on to say that he is his salvation. God is a safe house that provides for David certain way of escape. His salvation is guaranteed in God. And he knows that God will not fail. That God is a safe house that is impenetrable. He will last. And so we see David on this basis, he can say, whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? This is really where he begins to, where he is boasting. He is saying, because my God is so secure, because he is so sure a savior, he is mighty to save, I can be confident of this. I can be confident that he will save me and there is no reason to fear. But David doesn't just, he doesn't just establish this and stop there. Verse, verse one is the basis for his confidence as he goes on throughout 
uh, these verses, but he goes to verse two and he says, when evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversary and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. It's important to see here, David, he acknowledges he has an enemy. He's got a vicious enemy, right? And we've seen this. David's life is, is actually riddled with enemies. We've got King Saul throwing spears at him. We've got his son Absalom, who's, who's turned every, every heart against him. We have the Philistines, who we read again and again throughout David's story, coming up as his enemy. And so David acknowledges the threat that he faces. And it is a, an important point for us that we remember that we also have an enemy. 1 Peter 5, 8 says this, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We also have a vicious enemy. We've got an enemy who wants to cause us to fear. He wants to cause us to doubt that our God can save us. But just like David, we can be confident that when our enemies come against us, our God will cause them to fail. Look at the, the, the statement he says, it is they who stumble and fall. It's like Harry and Marvin um, trying to break into Kevin McAllister's house in, in Home Alone and they get a shovel to the face. When, when, when our enemies come up against our God, when they come up against us, our God ensures that they will fail. And so, so David acknowledges his enemy, but he's got confidence in God. But he doesn't stop there. David really wants to boast in the, in, in the God of his salvation. And so he goes on to say in verse 3, Though an army encamps against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. David, he goes on to paint an even more grim picture. This is the, the scene in the movies where you start to lose all hope for the characters. Now, the reality is we know how movies go, and so more than likely they're going to find a way to come out. But this picture that we see here, is the, is the picture where it seems like it's all lost. He's got an army surrounding him. They're coming against him personally. And so David paints this grim picture, but then he says, my heart shall not fare, yet I will be confident. See, in this, David shows us that for the believer, the opposite of fear is confidence in the Lord. The opposite of fierce confidence in the Lord is two sides of the same coin. And so David, he, when he says, I will be confident, I will not fear, he's attaching it back to verse one. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? I can be confident no matter how uncertain the circumstance, no matter how vicious my enemy, no matter how my circumstance seems hopeless, I can be confident in God. And, and this is important for us to see it is because David thinks rightly about God, he is able to have confidence. He's able to trust God 
through his trouble. And, and this is what it is for us. So when we think rightly about God, when we remember how great a savior we have, when we remember what he has already accomplished for us, we can be confident through our troubles. We can trust the Lord through our troubles. And, and notice that David, his, even though he acknowledges his enemy in this passage, his focus is not his enemy. Look at what he says in verse four. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David has one thing on his mind in the midst of danger, of eminent danger, in the midst of a vicious enemy. He's got one thing on his mind, the Lord. And what he does here by focusing on God in the midst of this trouble, David magnifies God as his supreme treasure. God is for David the one thing that he will not live without no matter what he faces in life. And, and this is very important for us to see. It is, it is that David, David treasures God. He, he, wants to, he wants to be consumed by God, completely consumed by him. That's, that's where he says that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. We, some of us might actually know uh, this young man who's coming up on the screen, a uh, little Shep Jayatanga. If you've ever spent any time with this young man, um, you find out really quickly, as you can see in the picture, he is completely captivated by cars. And, and so much so that if you've, if you're holding him and, and he happens to see in the parking lot or somewhere coming down the road a car that reminds him of any of these characters, he will begin to give you everything that he can remember off the top of his head about that movie. He can remember a lot. Shep is, is captivated by this movie. And in the same way Shep is captivated by cars, David wants to be captivated by God. He wants to be consumed by God, by everything that God is. And just like David is, is, desires to be captivated by God, one thing that we should always seek is to know and treasure our God. We should always be seeking to know and treasure God. In, and, and we do this in a few ways. We do this by time spent, I think we got a, a slide maybe. Um, we do this by time spent in worship, time spent in worship um, together in the house of the Lord. He says, in the house of the Lord, we, we, we serve one another, we worship together, we share in the Lord's supper. And he also says that we do this um, we do this by gazing upon the beauty of the Lord. This is a, a wonderful picture of, of us actually spending time in God's word. 
This is time studying God's word. This is time that we spend meditating on God's word. This is time that we spend uh, listening to God's word being preached. And he says, and to inquire in his temple. This is time that we spend in prayer. Time we spend thanking God for all that he is and all that he's done for us. Time that we spend um, interceding for one another in prayer. Time that we spend um, making our requests known to God, casting our cares upon God. So there are many ways that we seek to know and treasure God. In Matthew 6, uh, Jesus says, that where your heart is, there your treasure is also. And this is why David could say in verse three, my heart shall not fear. David's heart is, is secure in the presence of the one that he treasures. For David, the, the presence of the Lord is not just a place that he finds protection, but also a place that he finds pleasure. He finds both pleasure and protection in the presence of the Lord. Look at what he says in verse 5. For he will hide me in his shelter in the time of trouble. He will conceal me under the covering of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. David has, he paints for us a picture again of, of his security in God that enables him to worship God. That enables him to seek God. That enables him to to focus on knowing and treasuring God. And and, and so I say again, for David, the presence of God is both the place of pleasure and protection for him. And and he he paints a picture of, it's like like a child being lifted up into their mother's arms, comforted and protected Um, secure from danger, David is placed high out of reach of his enemy, high upon a rock. This is the confidence that David has in God and it enables him to worship God. It enables him to seek God. I say again that, that we can continually worship through our trouble when the one we treasure is the God we trust. And, and as believers, we should be able to have the security that David has. And in fact, we, we will have that security when we seek to know and treasure God. It is, from, it is from David knowing God that he can think rightly about God, that he can remain secure in God's presence. And for the non-believer who's listening today, this is an important thing to know is there's, there's one way that we have this security and it is by putting your trust in God. By putting your trust in Jesus as your savior and seeking to know and treasure him above all else. And the natural consequence of us trusting and treasuring God is worship. It happens naturally. Look at at what David says in verse six. He says, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. 
and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. David responds with worship because it's natural when we trust and treasure God. And look what he says. He says, my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And this is an important picture, one that we see a few times in the Psalms, a picture of uh, the head being lifted up. And it is, it is a picture of having joy and confidence restored. This picture reminds us that there will be times where our trouble will cause us to doubt God. It will bring to us sorrow. But when we remember who God is, when we seek to treasure God above all else, we can find that we're able to, to actually obey the command that, that Paul gives us to rejoice always. That James uh, passage that teaches us to, to count it all joy is possible when, when we trust and treasure God, we can continue to worship through our trouble. And, and, and notice David is still surrounded by his enemy, even though his confidence is being restored, his enemy is still there. And this is the, the, the beauty of it. It doesn't matter how hopeless your circumstance seems. When you treasure God, when we treasure God, we're able to continually worship God. We're able to fix our eyes on God. We're able to have confidence in God through our trouble. And so he says, he goes on to say, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. David, David's showing us that his, his response is actually uh, a response of gratitude. It's gratitude in the anticipated victory that he has in God. It's like when fans see their favorite athlete take the court and they, and they start to celebrate. They start losing their minds and, and it's even before the game starts, even before that player starts playing anything. They, they anticipate the victory when they see the one that they trust to win it for them and they celebrate. This is what worship is for us. It is that we trust our God to win the victory for us. We trust that he has won the victory. And so worship flows from that. He sacrifices with shouts of joy. And he says, I will sing and make melody to the Lord. One of the things that we read in the Psalms is that command to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And this is a command that's very important for us because I remember hearing one of our pastors, uh, Pastor Ted Duncan, he said this a while ago and it stuck with me that, that the people of God, we sing. We're a singing people. And it is because we have the joy of our salvation. We've got the joy of, of, of our Savior in our hearts that, that naturally we want to sing. You don't see those fans when they see their, their favorite athlete take the field. You don't see them trying to be silent. It's not a silent raising of the hands. It's not a silent, you know, they, they want to make noise. They want everyone to hear how great the, the one they trust is. 
This is us. He didn't say that we need to make a noise that sounds good. He says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. This is, this, is, this, is, this is what believers do. This is what we do. We worship God. We sing to the Lord. And it's because he's worthy of it. One of the things David is, is teaching us in this passage is that as people of God, we're meant to have a worship that is uninterrupted by our trouble. Our troubles and trials should not cause us to stop worshiping God. And we have the only God who can guarantee that we can continually worship him through our troubles because he is also our salvation. And he is a sure salvation. He is mighty to save. This is who our God is. And so we can celebrate. So uh, there's two passages that we see, uh, Luke 22, 31. I think we got them. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. We also have Jesus in John 16, John 16, he says the, to his disciples, the world, in the world, you will have tribulations, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is the confidence that Jesus gives us when we put our trust in him. We have a God who is our light and salvation. We have no reason to fear. We can have confidence in God. And it enables us to, to acknowledge our enemy. We're not, we're not hiding our face from our enemy. We're not head in the clouds and not realizing that there is a real threat to our life. But we acknowledge that we have an enemy, but it's not our focus. Because we trust God, we can acknowledge our enemy, but focus on God. We can acknowledge our enemy, but seek to worship God, seek to make him the one we treasure above all else. And just like David, when we treasure God above all else, our hearts can rest secure. It is the, the command that is what, what Jesus is telling his disciples here, that they can take heart because he has overcome the world. This is it, is, is when we treasure God above all else, we can take heart knowing that that the victory is won. And, and this, is, this allows us to, to continue to worship God through our times of trouble. And, and it, it's, we wanna be real about it. Sometimes trouble is particularly difficult. Sometimes it feels hopeless. And I've had times where, where it just doesn't feel easy to seek God. It doesn't feel easy to spend time in his word. It doesn't feel easy to pray. It doesn't feel easy to come and be around people and want to smile and want to rejoice with them. Sometimes it's hard. But, but this is showing us that, that we have a God who has enabled us. He, he gives us the ability to continue to worship him, to continue to rejoice through our troubles. When we, when we see him rightly, when we trust him above all else.
This is really the life of the Christian. This is the life of the believers. Is every day of our lives, we are, are battling the temptation to doubt. We're battling the temptation to, to, to have our worship interrupted. We're battling that temptation, but we have a hope. We have a hope that as we wait, we anticipate the victory of our God, we can rejoice. That's why Paul can say, my light afflictions, which are momentary, worketh for me a more exceeding and eternal weight of glory as I look to the things which are unseen. The victory is in the future, it's now. Christ has already won some things for us. He's, he's won the battle for us, really, over sin and death. And, and the, the full realization of the victory that we have in Christ is to come. But as we wait, we anticipate the full victory. And so we're able to continually worship, just like David, with gratitude in our hearts, singing and making melody to the Lord. And before we pray, I think one of the most fitting applications for a passage like this for us is, is to sing. And I've had this, this song that God has placed on my heart as I've uh, continued to think through this passage. And so I want you to please join me in singing wherever you are. And for those who are here with me, um, I'm just gonna sing a few verses and a few choruses. My soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Sing it with me. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let's sing it one more time. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. One thing we want to really take away from this is that we can worship through our troubles when the one we treasure is the God we trust. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the victory that you've given us, that you have won the battle already over sin, over death, 
on the cross, you've won it all. And Lord, because of this, we can worship you even when times are hard, even when it feels hopeless. Because you are not just the, you're not just the means of our salvation. You are the end of our salvation. You're not the one, just the one we are saved by. You are the one we are saved for. And so Lord, I pray that you would help us today, Lord. Help us to see you rightly and help us to, to continue to worship you uninterrupted by our troubles, trusting and treasuring you above all else. We pray this now for your glory and our join you in Jesus' name. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.